what the most often repeated command in Scripture is? It's not any of the Ten Commandments. It's not the command to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, strength. It's not to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commands. The most often repeated command in Scripture is do not fear. Don't be afraid. Fear not. I mean, isn't it kind of interesting that that's the most often repeated command in Scripture? It was a command that had to be repeated to David. It had to be repeated to Joseph. It had to be repeated to Moses. It had to be repeated to Mary, the mother of Jesus. It had to be repeated to the women at the empty tomb. It had to be repeated to the Apostle Paul. It had to be repeated to the Apostle John. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Do not fear. Why must it be repeated over and over again? It's because every single one of us struggle with it. All of us. Fear is universal. Fear starts at a young age. We fear the dark. We fear the monsters under the bed, in the closet. We get a little bit older and we fear that first day at school. Or we fear getting hit by the ball in Little League. We fear not being accepted by the cool kids in high school. We fear not fitting in. We fear starting a family. We fear we don't have enough money to pay the bills. We fear health problems. We fear growing older and maybe being by ourselves. We have phobias. There's claustrophobia. We're all familiar with that one. That's the fear of closed spaces. Turophobia. It's the fear of cheese. How weird is that? A cheese phobia. Laporous phobia. That's the fear of being alone with Dave Laporous. I'm kidding. I just made that one up. Sorry, Dave. There, there are 9,000 different phobias. I mean, that is more than enough fear to keep us worried all the time. We can spend our entire lives in fear. And we do. You know, I read one time that our number one fear, you know what it is? At least in this survey that I read, the fear of public speaking. Number one fear, public speaking. The fear of death was number two. Isn't that crazy? Dying was second to public speaking. So at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. The fear of death while public speaking is number three. That's when you bomb. That is when you crash and you burn while public speaking. I've done this before. Horrible. You know, if 
I was asked to play and speak at a church a few years ago. And I really didn't know the difference between denominations and different churches because the jar, this is the only place that I have ever, the only church I've ever been a part of. I mean, I thought everyone loved wearing shorts and flip-flops to church. I thought every Christ follower appreciated a smoking hot guitar solo in a song. They don't. Trust me. So after I finished ruining their worship set, I began to give a sermon that apparently offended everyone. I mean, my kid was in the front pew looking at me going, Stop. I made it through halfway through what I had prepared. And a gentleman actually came up on the pulpit and thanked me for coming. Cut me off in the middle of my teaching. That, my friends, is when you crash and burn. That, though, is an exception to the norm. Because the truth is, most of the things that we fear never occur. Most of the things we fear never occur. John de la Fontaine, the author of Aesop's Fables, once said, My life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which have never happened. And most of us live in fear of things that will never happen. Anybody remember Y2K? Oh, the sky is falling. Computers and financial institutions and power grids are all going to crash and it's going to lead to Y2 chaos. People were filling their generators with fuel, stocking up on their water supplies and their food rations and their solar-powered hair dryers. And Y2K came and went, didn't it? What's the number one weapon of terrorists in our world? It's not bombs. It's not bombs in backpacks. It's not planes careening into skyscrapers. The greatest tool of a terrorist is fear. It's getting us to live in fear. Now, Psalm 46 was written by a person who knew fear for people who deal with fear. And it begins with some words that are, these words are very simple to read, but they're very difficult to actually put into practice. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3, says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar, let the mountains tremble, as the waters surge. So the psalmist is saying that even if the earth's giving way and the waters are roaring and the mountains are shaking, we're not going to fear. But we do fear. We fear all kinds of things. We fear difficult conversations that will be uncomfortable. We fear that our lives won't matter. We fear insignificance. We fear making changes in our lives that may involve risk. 
or that are involved admitting that we may have a weakness of some kind. We fear making decisions that have huge implications on our futures. I mean, we are a society that is constantly living our lives in fear. We are living our lives by fear. Now, even though it is the most often repeated command in Scripture, I don't think that all fear is bad. I mean, at times I think that fear can be a positive. I think God uses fear at times to protect us and to keep us maybe from doing things that might hurt us. Maybe even sometimes fear can be used as a sudden burst of energy to help other people in times of danger. So I'm going to give you a positive fear. This will be your first fill-in for the day. Fear can help us make wise decisions. Fear can help us make wise decisions. Second Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So what comes to mind here is a child in a hot stove. Child gets burnt. Fear keeps that child from touching that stove again. Same thing can be applied to adults. The fear of taking a drink again. Maybe falling back into that lifestyle of addiction. Maybe falling back into that, what got you into so much trouble before. I think the fear of giving into a lustful temptation that could ruin your marriage, that could tear apart your family. I mean, I think it's good to have a fear of those things. I think it's good to fear getting burnt. I think it's good to fear certain consequences that our actions could produce. I mean, I think it's Satan who whispers in our ears, oh, it's fine. You can look at things that you shouldn't be looking at. You can be thinking about these things that you shouldn't be thinking about. You can flirt a little bit at work. It's okay. It'll never get any further than that. It could never happen to you. Any men in here think that could never happen to you? You're godlier than David. You're stronger than Samson. You're wiser than Solomon. Fear can be a good thing. Fear can be used in a positive way if you react to it in a positive way. But not everyone reacts to fear in the same way. I mean, over and over in the Bible you find different sets of people. They're looking at the exact same circumstance, but they're coming to two very different conclusions. Same circumstances. One won't be afraid at all, and the other will be shaken with fear. 
Numbers chapter 13. Twelve spies go out to spy the promised land. Ten come back saying, oh, it's full of giants. There's no way we can go in. We're going to be demolished if we go in. Caleb and Joshua come back and they had seen the exact same circumstances. They'd seen the exact same enemies. And they said, with God's help, we can be bold and courageous. We can do this. A little shepherd boy named David, he goes out to visit his older brothers who are soldiers. They're at war. He's a young boy probably pulling his little red wagon. His job is to tend the family sheep and to bring cheese sandwiches to his brothers on the front lines. This obviously took place at a time when cheese phobias were not common yet. But he goes out to all these soldiers that are afraid of a big giant named Goliath. And this little shepherd boy, he looks at the exact same enemy. He's not overwhelmed with fear, but courageously he goes after him with a slingshot. Same circumstances, different perspective. Now these are two completely different stories in the Bible. 400 years apart. But they are both very similar to each other. And they both teach us in the exact same way, in the exact same sequence even, not only what fear does to our lives, but how we can overcome our fears. Now I'm going to be jumping back and forth between these two stories, and hopefully I'm going to be doing it in a way that is easy to follow along. But I'm excited to share with you about these stories. I'm excited to share with you what God has shared with me as I've broken down both of these stories in the last two weeks. So in our first story, Numbers chapter 13, a leader from each of the twelve tribes of Israel was sent to scope out the promised land. How's the land? How's the city? How's the people? Basically, go and see what this land is, what it's like, what we want to take. For 40 days, these 12 explore this land. Then in verse 27, they arrive back and they give this account. It says, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. So they actually show them the fruit that they had picked while they were there. Then they go on to say, but the people who live there are very powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. Verse 31 says, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about what the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. So they're scared. They went in there, they saw giants. Now they're scared. These men went into the promised land to scope it out, to see how difficult it will be to invade, and they got scared. And they came back and they said, we can't do it. We can't. 
Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 now. And in this story, we have the Philistine and the Israelite forces. And they're gathered for war. The battle lines are drawn. Camps are set up opposite of each other. And in verse 4, it says a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. It goes on to mention the armor that he was wearing, as if the nine feet tall part wasn't enough to scare us. Verse 8 goes on to say, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? So Goliath is taunting the Israelites. In verse 10 he says, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And in verse 16 it says, For forty days... The Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So he taunted them every morning and every evening for 40 days. So the first thing that instantly jumped out at me as I read both of these stories, what I felt that God was pointing out to me is the first effect of fear. Fear enlarges the obstacles in our lives. Fear enlarges the obstacles in our lives. I just read it. Numbers 13, 28. The people there who live there are very powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. Verse 31. We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. Verse 32, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are of great size. So both of these stories have giants. Both stories have obstacles that are huge. Fear enlarges whatever obstacles we are facing. I mean, our fears actually become giant size in our lives. Our giant may be a decision that we made in the past and it continues to cast this huge, giant-sized shadow over our lives. Our giant may be a struggle, maybe an addiction. Our giant may be a desire in our life. It may be a diagnosis. And our giants have a way of getting bigger and bigger the more we focus on it. It's like the old fish story. The more you tell it, the bigger it becomes. Our fears are like that. Fear enlarges the obstacles that are in our lives. I mean, I like how Psalm 46 that I read, it starts out with the earth giving way and the mountains shaking. So it jumps right into what we eventually make all of our fears become. Huge. And if the more we fear something, the larger it becomes, then it only makes sense that another effect of fear is fear lengthens our trials. Fear lengthens our trials. 
Did you notice that both stories have 40 days in it? 40 is mentioned in the Bible 146 times. Scripture never tells the significance or the meaning of 40, but every instance that it's used, whether it's 40 days, 40 months, 40 years, it's always signifying a period of testing or trial. Always. And in our David and Goliath story, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 16, it says, For forty days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So fear allowed this story, allowed this trial to carry on for forty days. Forty days before somebody was brave enough to face their fears. They could have saved 39 days from shaking in their boots if somebody would have possibly jumped up day one and faced their fear. Fear lengthens our trials. We waste precious time. We waste precious energy being afraid. And in most cases, fearing something that will never happen anyway. The third effective fear we learn from these stories is fear keeps us from moving forward. Fear keeps us from moving forward. In our story of the 12 leaders, the 12 spies, after they report back their findings, everyone is scared and no progress is being made. Nobody's advancing to the promised land. Time is being wasted. Fear is keeping them from moving forward. Same thing in the, in the second story in 1 Samuel. The troops, they're in position to battle. But everyone's scared. Everyone's afraid to engage. So they're just standing there and nothing is being done. Fear is keeping them from moving forward. Fear does the exact same things in our lives. I mean, fear keeps us from moving forward. Fear keeps us from moving forward with relationships. Fear keeps us from mending relationships with people that we care for. Fear keeps us from maybe changing our careers. Fear keeps us content in a life that's tolerable because we're afraid sometimes to step out of our comfort zones. We'll just stay right here where it's safe, away from those giants over there. Job 17 verse 9 says, The righteous keep moving forward. And those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. Here's another effect of fear. Fear is contagious. Fear is contagious. 
we go back to Numbers. When the men who had returned told the people their fear of the giants, it says in chapter 14 that all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. So it starts with ten, and now everyone is terrified. There's chaos. Fear is contagious. It spreads quickly. And fear has swept to everybody. It's ironic that in this story, the people are calling for a new leader. Leaders are the ones that everyone looks up to. The ones that everyone follow. Right? We don't play follow the follower. We play follow the leader. And in these stories, we have leaders. We have men, leaders, who are respected and who are scared. We have soldiers who have seen death, who have killed before, and they're terrified. The king is terrified. Everyone is frozen with fear, and now they're afraid to act. And that is what fear often does in our lives. I had a sister-in-law who was terrified of storms. I mean, I had never seen anything like it before. She would actually throw a blanket over her head and sit in the corner and just cry during a storm. She had two boys. When they were about ten and six, they were over at my house, and a huge storm hit. There was loud thunder. There were strikes of lightning. My sister-in-law hid in the corner with her two children, under a blanket, crying. So fear became contagious to these two boys as they watched their mom. If the person you look up to is scared, so are you. That's how it works. Parents in here, we are the leaders of our families. Men in here, we are the spiritual leaders. We should be the spiritual leaders of our family. We should be stepping up and we should be saying, follow me. Follow me, we're going to church. Follow me. We are putting Christ first in our lives. Follow me, son. This is how you treat a lady. Follow me, daughter. This is how you deserve to be treated. Follow me. God is greater than our fear. Fear is contagious. And in both of these stories, everyone is scared. Almost everyone. Remember, 12 men explored the land, saw the exact same things, the exact same giants. Ten reported were scared. 
We will fail. But the other two, Joshua and Caleb, they saw things differently. It says, after the whole crowd is worked up in a panic and gripped with fear, Joshua and Caleb spoke up. And in Numbers verse 7, they said, The land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So Caleb and Joshua saw the exact same giants. David, while visiting his brothers on the battlefield, witnessed the same giant that had been taunting King Saul and the Israelite army for 40 days. And he says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In verse 32, David said to King Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So how does two men and one boy in these two stories look at the exact circumstances, the exact same circumstances that everyone else sees, but yet they come up with a different outcome. I mean, on human terms alone, the promised land was impenetrable. On human terms alone, Goliath was too powerful. But Joshua and Caleb and David They didn't look at things on human terms. They counted on the Lord being with them. They counted as God being their difference maker. They chose faith over fear. They chose faith over fear. Matthew 20, chapter 20, verse 26 says, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. You see, they knew that their God was larger than any giant. They knew that God is greater than any fear. And they chose faith over fear. And with that faith, David killed Goliath with a slingshot. With that faith, Caleb and Joshua saved Moses and Aaron from being stoned to death. You know, a similar example can be found in the New Testament in Mark chapter 4. It's where Jesus and His disciples, they're getting in a boat. It's been a long day of teaching. It's been a long day of ministry. Jesus is tired. He gets into the boat with His disciples and He says, let's go to the other side. Let's escape these crowds. So He goes back to the back of the boat and Jesus goes to sleep. Even though He was God, He was also fully human and He was tired. They get in the boat and they're cruising across the lake. Jesus goes to sleep. It's quiet. It's calm. Everything is going nice. Till all of a sudden there's a storm. The winds come up. It's blowing. Waves are crashing over the side of the boat. And the disciples are afraid. The disciples are scared. They can't believe what's happening. And where's Jesus? He's in the back of the boat, asleep. I mean, this storm had to be powerful. Most of these disciples were experienced fishermen. Peter, Andrew, James, John, they made their living by being on the sea. They were experts, and they were scared. And Jesus, he's snoozing. It's a heavy sleeper. So they're scared, and they say, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? And friends, who among us in this room hasn't come to a moment in our life where we ask the exact same question? To God. God, don't you care? God, don't you see what I'm up against here? How can I possibly raise these children all by myself? Don't you care? God, how is someone my age supposed to start a new job, a new career? Don't you even care? God, how am I supposed to pay all these bills? Don't you care? I mean, the disciples are asking this to Jesus. Jesus gets up. Maybe he wipes the sleep from his eyes. And he says, quiet, be still. And just like that, there's calm. It didn't gradually die down. 
It didn't go down over time. Their miracle wasn't that the storm stopped because all storms eventually stop. The miracle was that it stopped suddenly. And he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, they didn't choose faith over fear. They were afraid. And all the effects of fear that we talked about showed their obstacle. The storm was so big to them. They were sure they were going to die. The fear lengthened their journey. I mean, they were stuck in the middle of a lake that was 13 miles long, 7 miles wide. It was keeping them from moving forward. They wasn't getting to the other side. I mean, Jesus is the one that said, we're going to the other side. Jesus doesn't call you to do something if it's unable to be done. He doesn't. He will equip you. Fear is what keeps us from moving forward when we are called. Faith is choosing that God is in control of our lives. That with God, we will accomplish anything that we are being asked to do. I have a friend here at the Jars named Jason. He stepped down as manager of K Jewelers just a couple weeks ago. This was a great job that he had, and he had worked really hard to attain this position. And he did this because being a newly single father with full custody of his children, the long hours he was working, the late evenings that he was having to keep, was keeping him from being the father that his kids needed. So he had less money, uncertainty, but he chose faith over fear. He knew that God is greater than his fear. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Almost the exact same thing that Jesus yelled out to the storm, yelled out to the disciples to hear, because fear was being contagious to them. I mean, wouldn't you have thought that one of them would have said, wait a minute, guys. This boat can't go down. Jesus is in it. I mean, God's not going to send His Son to save the world and then lose Him in a boating accident. It's not going to happen. You do not go down with Jesus in your boat. I'm going to repeat that. You do not go down with Jesus in your boat. Twice, Psalm 46 repeats, the Lord Almighty is with us. Isaiah 43, verse 5, do not fear, I am with you. 366 times, the Bible commands us to not be afraid. And just like Caleb, and just like Joshua, 
And just like David, and just like the disciples, the Lord God Almighty is with you. Choose faith over fear. God is greater than any of your fear. Let's stand for closing prayer. Dear God, we just thank you this morning. We just thank you for giving us uh, lessons in your word. Ways to see the effects that fear has in our lives. Ways that we can overcome our fears. God, whatever we're facing right now, I know there's so many fears right now with different people and different age groups. God, whatever fear, whatever giant that may be in front of us, God, we choose faith. We're making a decision right now to be bold and courageous, and we choose faith. We acknowledge You are the difference maker. And we know with Jesus in our boat, we will not go down. You are the God who is greater than any fear. In Jesus' powerful name, we all say together, Amen. Have an awesome week. Don't forget the blood drive. If you're scared of giving blood, get over it. Go do that.